This portion of TV Confidential is sponsored by Uber. Enter the promo code TV Confidential, all one word, when you download the app at get.uber.com slash go slash TV Confidential, and you'll receive a free first ride up to $20. Hello, this is Eric Braden. You're listening to TV Confidential. <laughs> Ed Roberts with a reminder that Ed Asner will join us at the top of the hour as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the premiere of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. We hope to stay tuned for that in the meantime and to get us in the mood for a conversation with Ed Asner. We will take you back to May 2013 in our conversation about the history of the Mary Tyler Moore Show with our friend Jennifer Armstrong. During its original seven years on CBS, of course, the Mary Tyler Moore Show revived Mary Tyler Moore's career, while also helping to pave the way for the modern TV sitcom. But it also made stars out of several journeyman actors, changed the fate of a dozen female TV writers, helped usher in a more female-friendly era in the television industry, and famously killed a clown. And yet, before any of that became possible, the Mary Tyler Moore show faced a number of obstacles, mostly from the decision makers at CBS, precisely because it was different, but it also faced opposition from the critics of such influential publications as TV Guide and Time Magazine, both of which hated the show. Jennifer walks you through all these obstacles and how the show came to overcome them in her excellent book, Mary and Lou and Rhoda and Ted, which we will tell you more about in just a second. First, Jennifer Armstrong, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. I understand that when you were a little girl, you used to play Mary and Rhoda. I did. I did. This is one of the, you know, one of the big inspirations for writing the book. I think it's important to have that personal connection to your material. And yes, I used to love the Mary Tyler Moore show and definitely Rhoda. Um, I think I was watching the Mary Tyler Moore show in reruns. I was born in 1974, which is right in the middle of the run of the Mary Tyler Moore show originally on CBS. Uh, so I think I was watching reruns with my parents of that. And I was also watching the original run of Rhoda and I really, really loved them. I just, I don't know what I was responding to at the time. You know, it's one of those strange things about being a kid. Like, I couldn't have said to you, oh, it's clearly because these are independent feminist women, and I relate to that. You know, I just saw them and thought, I want to be like them. They're so cool. So I used to play Mary mainly by setting up a desk like an office, Mm -hmm. and I used to play Rhoda by wearing headscarves. (laughs) (laughs) Those were the two big things. So aside from the accoutrements, are, are you more like Mary more like Rhoda, or or a little bit of both? I think maybe a lot of us are a little bit of both, but I tend to identify more with Rhoda now. Um, I think I was a Mary more growing up. I was a very good girl growing up, (laughs) very, like, good grades and nice and polite and all of those things. Uh, But I think I actually aspired to be more like Rhoda, which is the opposite of what kind of maybe a lot of people think of with those two characters, but... I liked her outspokenness. I liked her kind of artsy, edgy vibe. And I think that eventually, it took me a while, but I felt like that was that was what I wanted to be. And I really, really related to her. And I think I still do. And, you know, also just the fact that she's kind of, she's kind of aware of her own 
limitations and imperfections, but she's still vivacious and funny and fun. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, her relationship with Mary on the show was was symbiotic in in, in every sense of the word, in that they completed each other. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's one of the really lovely things about the show that you know, maybe people don't really think about there's so many pioneering obvious things about the show, but to have that female friendship at the center and not have it be adversarial, even though they were so different, I mean, that's kind of a big deal in itself. And I think that's actually why a lot of young women ended up identifying not just with Mary, but with the Mary and Rhoda relationship. It's, it's, it's interesting, and we, we touched on this in our open, the Mary Tyler Moore show was very much a woman's show. It was very much a show with a female point of view, despite the fact it was created by two men. But it's it's interesting as you as, as you walk the readers through the backstory of how the Mary Tyler Moore show got on the air. You don't begin the story with James Brooks and Alan Burns. You begin with Trevor Silverman. Yes, uh, Trevor was a huge inspiration for the book. And she lived up to that inspiration as the book project progressed. She, we worked pretty closely together, as you can see in the book. A lot of the book ends up being kind of really her story. She was the first female writer that they hired. And she ended up, because of the show being, you know, she had a lot of firsts or near first. She was among the first women to write for sitcoms at all. She was among the first women to win an Emmy on her own without a male partner, among the first women to be, you know, an executive level producer on a comedy, lots of things. And so as I wrote the book, I actually, in the first draft, the second, what is the second chapter was my first chapter. So I did start with Jim and Alan, the creators. But as I went through, I really loved the idea of kind of telling Truva's life story through the idea that she was kind of the original Mary. I'd say she's original Mary and Rhoda. You know, she's kind of both. Um, she's very Rhoda-like and always identified with Rhoda. But, um, you know, she I sort of saw her more than any of these other people as the original because she was this single 30-something woman living independently and not, you know, not apologizing for it and having a professional life and being a pioneer in her profession exactly the same way that Mary Richards ended up being. So as I sort of learned her story, I was like, I think she's actually the, the you know, ground zero. And her, women like her. She just happened to be the one that was in the writer's room and able to influence things. I've been nodding my head for the past several minutes, uh, mm-hmm. Jennifer, because, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. Treva really is Mary Richards before Mary Tyler Moore was. Exactly, exactly, and I think she remained more Mary than, that was what I was trying to figure out originally, actually, was like, where does Mary Richards actually start, and, the, and then once I started piecing it together, there's there's other bits that come into it, you know, Mary, Tyler Moore herself ends up being kind of, you know, an inspiration for the way the character is that good girl kind of quality, but, um, and then there's other people who end up, you know, there, there are several influences on Rhoda who kind of come together, a guy who James L. Brooks, or a woman who James L. Brooks used to know um, of some people that were in Valerie Harper's life, who she modeled it after. So I'm always interested in kind of those original inspirations for 
fictional characters. We're talking to Jennifer Armstrong. Jennifer's book, Mary and Lou and Rhoda and Ted and all the brilliant minds who made the Mary Tyler Moore show a television classic, tells you everything you want to know about one of the most beloved and admired television shows of all time and the people who made it happen. You can find Mary and Lou and Rhoda and Ted in bookstores everywhere, as well as Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, SimonAndSchuster.com, Jennifer K. Armstrong.com, and wherever books are sold online. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Jennifer, the jacket copy of Mary and Lou and Rhoda and Ted includes a quote from Peter Biskind, the author of Easy Writers, Raging Bulls. And I think that's very appropriate, Jennifer, because in many ways, the people behind the Mary Tyler Moore show revolutionized television, just as the people that Biskind profiles in Easy Writers, Raging Bulls, revolutionized film in the 1970s. Absolutely. This, his book was actually a huge inspiration for me. Um, when I first read it, I loved it, like many people, but I also, as a pop culture writer, kind of thought, oh, this is what I could do, but my expertise is in television. So mm -hmm. until I read that, I didn't really see how I was going to get into the book business, per se, mm -hmm. uh, with my expertise. But then once I saw that, I was like, yeah, it's cool. And then I started thinking about 70s TV. So I was like, well, this, you know, lots of important things happen in 70s television, but different from what he chronicles in his books so beautifully. And I sort of love how these two books can end up interacting, too, in the sense that his book is all kind of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? <laughs> so it is. It's just like this great 70s, gritty, all these guys are like, it's all lots of sex and drugs. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, <laughs> the people behind the Mary Tyler Moore show are not quite as exciting, and I think it speaks to differences in those industries, as well, you know, TV versus... Yeah. It's like, these people have to go to work every day and have made a show every week, so... It ends up being this thing that, like, these people revolutionized television by having the kind of classiest, quietest, most sane place to work for all of the people who were creating their shows, whereas the people in uh, Peter's book are just the opposite. But his book was definitely a huge inspiration for me. And yet James L. Brooks had a lot of hippie in him, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He was kind of the, yeah, he was the hippiest guy. And there's, like, moments you know, in there where you get the 70s vibe. Mm -hmm. There's moments in my book. Um, there's definitely that James L. Brooks, you know, he does have that hippie laid back, you know, he's not laid back about his work, but it's kind of that, you know, that vibe, that creative vibe. Um, and, you know, Treva had a rollicking social life and as much as she could when she wasn't working. You know, she went to parties, she dated a lot. The, the women who worked on the show and were single, um, we're all kind of glamorous and, you know, having a great time in, uh, in L.A. in the 70s. So, you know, it's not like none of them ever did. They weren't the squarest people ever. Um, I think I do have a, have a bit, there's a moment when we talk about the smoking pot on the set mm -hmm. um, after hours, mostly. That was among the writers, the creatives, you know. Um, but when it was time to work, those people were, like, on the ball. Right, because you you have to be disciplined, especially in a in in an industry as crazy as television, where you've got to create product and create it fast. Otherwise, you fall behind production. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's it was that. And for them, there's the extra layer, too, of Mary Tyler Moore and Grant Tinker were in charge of the production company. And these were very kind of, you know, by the book, straight and narrow, yeah. let's get our work done, people. Um, and it really trickled down. And I mean, they, that's not to say that's nothing bad about them. That's a good, that's a really great quality that I think everyone appreciated. Because I've heard stories of other sets in the 70s and 80s being nuts you know, with the writers constantly drugged out uh, and not being able to get things done and everything getting done at the last minute. This place was a well-oiled machine. They did not mess around at the Mary Tyler Moore show. And, and, and Jennifer's book not only walks you behind the scenes of how the Mary Tyler Moore show got on the air, but it also traces uh, the growth of MTM Enterprises, Mary's company, which she formed with her husband at the time, Grant Teeker, which became one of the biggest production companies, biggest independent production companies in the 1970s and throughout the 1980s, not only with the creation of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, but the Bob Newhart Show, Hill Street Blues, St. Elsewhere, and of course the Mary Tyler Moore Show spinoff series, Rhoda and Phyllis. It is all captured in the pages of Mary and Lou and Rhoda and Ted by our guest, Jennifer Armstrong, Mary and Lou and Rhoda and Ted is available wherever books are sold. To hear the rest of our conversation with Jennifer Armstrong about the backstory of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, go to shop.tvconfidential.net, shop.tvconfidential.net. We'll take a quick time out, then we will welcome back eight-time Emmy Award winner Ed Asner. We come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. If you haven't been listening to TV Confidential, this is who you're missing. Linda Day George. Diane Cannon. Donna Mills. Richard Benjamin. Michael Bell. Joan Van Ark. Thank you so much, Joan. I, I really appreciate this. I hope we'll have a chance to chat again. Well, I hope so, too. And let me tell you, bravo to you. Kudos for doing your homework. That's all I got to say. Thank you. Hugs. That's TV Confidential. Every week on this station and every day online at televisionconfidential.com. Hello and welcome back to the Ronnie Deutsch Tax Program. On the line is Paul from California. Hi, Paul. What's your tax problem today? Hi, Ronnie. Love your show. Listen, I've got a big problem. You see, my paycheck was garnished last week. I'm only getting half the normal amount. To make matters worse, the IRS froze my bank account. Listen, I'm embarrassed and scared. I need some help. Listen, Paul, you don't need to feel embarrassed. You just need some tax help. And the great news is the IRS has some unbelievable programs that can eliminate your tax debt so you don't have to worry about having your paycheck garnished or your bank levied. Doesn't that sound great? It sure does, Ronnie. Then do yourself a huge favor and get a free consultation right now and tell them the tax lady sent you. 855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-717-6901-855-
For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com and click Become a Confidant. Alexa users, you can now listen to TV Confidential on your smart speaker by just saying, Alexa, play TV Confidential. Enabling our Alexa skill is easy. To find out how, go to televisionconfidential.com slash Alexa. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.